eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Rodgers in trouble. Does he have a vintage moment in him? In the end zone, it is caught for the win. Pressure, pass is picked off, and who is it? Big B.J. Raji for the touchdown. Welcome back to another episode of the Pax What She Said podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Maggie Loney, joined as always by Perry Goldstein. And you're probably listening to this on Thanksgiving or the days after. So if you are, we hope you had a great Thanksgiving holiday. Um, Perry, I'm thankful for you. What are you thankful for this holiday season? I'm thankful that my family is healthy and that I have a roof over my head. And I'm thankful for my cat. Who is not for you too? I appreciate that. I I'm okay being fourth in that scenario. Um, but yeah, so you know the Packers have a really big game this week. Obviously, dropped one against the Vikings. Now eight and three on the season, um, and they really really need their bye week. But they've got one game now before the bye, and it is hosting the seven and three Los Angeles Rams. So kind of a lot to talk about regarding, I guess, the NFC picture as a whole and what this game means. Yeah, this is, um, I think this is a pivotal game for the entirety of the NFC playoff seating going forward. Two teams that have been at the top of the entire conference all season and could potentially, you know, have all the playoffs running through either of their home bases. So um, a tiebreaker in this game is, I think, going to be crucial. Yeah, and I mean, the Packers kind of drew the the short straw this season, having to play through 11 weeks, the two best conferences or the two best divisions right now in the NFL, the AFC North and the NFC West. But so far, I mean, you know, they beat up the 2-0 49ers early in the season. Then they beat up the 7-0 Cardinals. Obviously the Seattles were kind of a drop, but right now they're 5-0 and zero against, um, you know, the AFC North and the NFC West, which I think is pretty impressive when you think about the caliber of those divisions this year. Yeah, absolutely. I think if I heard that stat going into the season, I'd say you can't really ask for much more than that. Yeah, I mean, it kind of feels like a litmus test for the rest of the team, where if you can compete against really good teams and beat them, you're setting yourself up. Um, You and I kind of talked earlier in the week about the loss 
to the Vikings and whether or not, you know, that was any cause for concern really moving forward. And I think we were both pretty much in agreement that, you know, we feel better about the offense. Defense was bound to give up a game like this at some point. Yeah. And we don't necessarily think it means much for the rest of the season. No, I still feel that way. I mean, obviously the way the Packers play um, against the Rams is going to be really telling. And again, if this is a game that they drop, it's less about the win-loss column. Of course, this is one you want to walk away from going to the bye with a win. Um, you'd rather, much rather be 9-3 and three than 8-4. and four. I think 8-4, and four, you're getting into a little bit dangerous territory just given how strong the NFC is. Um, but again, it's really about how they show up and how each phase of the team plays against again what is a very very good Rams team although I guess you and I can go into like whether the Rams are actually good or not given that they've been a little bit up and down through this like middle stretch of the season yeah I mean I kind of started breaking some of this down for the six-pack that I put out later because it it is really interesting when you think about like you know early in the season they beat the Colts who are now a six and five team but they didn't look so hot to start the season they beat the Buccaneers who are obviously contending and likely to win their division But then, you know, some of their wins have come against teams like the Giants and the Texans and the Lions and the Bears, um, I think was their week one matchup. So it's hard to gauge whether or not this is like a an actually really good Rams team, because then you see them against, you know, the cream of the crop in the AFC, the Titans, and they have a pretty bad performance. And then they lose, of course, last week to the 49ers. So it's hard, hard to get a sense. It is hard to get a sense. But I guess that's just the NFL. It's it's an every given Sunday kind of league and to be fair I mean the Packers like you mentioned they they beat the Niners earlier in the season they beat the undefeated Cardinals completely demolished the Seahawks so I think are turning into not the best team um but it's still you know this is like a I think my biggest litmus test for the Packers and like what their playoff chances are now I think that comes a little bit with a grain of salt just given how injured the Packers are you know you don't want to make that an excuse by any means, but at the same time, it'd be nearly impossible not to have that become a factor for the Packers through the rest of the season because they have now lost for the season so many players and have so many more that are on IR. Although, if you want a positive spin for this, Aaron Jones is back practicing today. So that was really nice to see. Um, and they they should expect to get a bunch of players back after the bye, but this one, with how beat up they are, I don't know. I'm glad. It, I'm just glad it's at Lambeau, I guess, is is the way that this evens out a little bit in my mind. Yeah. And I mean, we've said the last couple of weeks, even I think before the Seattle game, that this was a team that was really like limping to the bye week with yeah. like people dropping every week. Obviously, losing Elton Jenkins is huge. Um, even now, just today, Jonathan Garvin, the team's fourth edge rusher, was added to the COVID list. So if, you know, Rashawn Gary, hopefully he can play with some type of elbow brace on. But otherwise, you're looking at an edge rush that'll be set by uh, Preston Smith and Tipa as your only two healthy edge rushers. So this is yeah. really a team that could afford to uh, take a week off. Yeah, I mean, well, Preston had two sacks against the Vikings and played a really nice game. Um, you know, you always got Kenny, um, you know, wreaking havoc through the interior of offensive linemen, just making them really unhappy. That's not the rush that you would hope for um, going into the season, you know, not having Zedarius, obviously. Um, It will be interesting to see if Rashawn comes back. I imagine um, from what I've heard about him that he's doing absolutely everything in his power um, to come back and play. I doubt that he enjoys being on the sidelines at all. And I think that 
getting to and rattling Matt Stafford so that he cannot get the ball to his playmakers um, is going to be a really, really huge part of, of this Packers defense's game plan against the Rams offense. Yeah. And I think there's something to be said too. Like I kind of felt this way in the divisional round of the playoffs last year, where when you play teams like this, and maybe we've seen it with like the Nick Bosa's and the TJ Watts, but I feel like guys like Kenny Clark and Rashawn Geary really get up for games like this because everybody's talking about Aaron Donald and Leonard Floyd. And I would imagine if you're Kenny Clark, you're like, Hey, but I'm really fucking good too. Yeah. I mean, and I think Kenny Clark had one of his best games of the season against the Vikings. So I feel like there's maybe even if it's subconsciously like a little bit of added juice for those, those D linemen. Oh yeah. I mean, Kenny has been just getting better and better as the season goes on. And I don't know what it is about him. I guess he's maybe not totally flashy or like as so undeniably dominant as Aaron Donald is, but he impacts the game and sets the tone for that defense. I think for always. Um, and he's sort of that quiet force. And I think at least I hope that this line and this entire defense or the team like really looks to follow in his lead because I have a feeling he's going to be going out there and trying to wreck, wreck things. Although I did hear that his favorite quarterback to sack is Kirk Cousins. So that <laughs> may be why his performance shown through against the Vikings, but I'm sure he's looking for a repeat again as well. Yeah. And I mean, I think, you know, we talked about this a little bit in the recap show that we did, but, you know, if, especially like the Vikings offense, you look at that and you think like, okay, stopping Delvin Cook has to be one of the top priorities. Uh, but then the secondary gave up so little too much to Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. And I feel like this Rams team is similar where Daryl Henderson doesn't have like the popping numbers that uh, Delvin Cook does, but he's still averaging like 4.7 yards a carry. He's got five touchdowns on the season. He hasn't had a 100-yard rushing game this season, but he can still be a dynamic factor Yeah, if, you know, you limit Cooper Cup and OBJ now, I guess, as wide receiver too, which is still kind of weird to think about. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, who do you think is the key to stopping the Rams' offense as a whole? Is it Stafford? Yeah, I, I think that you're spot on there where the Packers – run defense has been really solid this season. And I think all they need to do is just continue to do what they're doing and not, not what they did against the Vikings, which is kind of game plan around the running back. Like this game plan needs to be around stopping Matt Stafford and Cooper cup and the rest of the, the wide receivers on this team. Um, because I, when you think of the Rams, you think of their passing attack. And so far this season, the secondary, even without Jair has been, I think doing a really nice job of shutting down wide receivers. I mean, you saw DK Metcalf, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett could barely get anything. I think they had combined like five catches on in the entire game. So there is a world where the secondary can stop, but that should be the focal point. It, you know, you saw Kevin King pop up on the injury report um, today. He did not practice at all. He's got like a hip knee injury. So it could be again, Eric Stokes and Rasul Douglas, I'd like to see Barry go back to his base defense being nickel. Um, I think this is an offense that you need to account for, not just the wide receivers, but the tight end as well. Um, you're going up to against a McVay offense that's very similar to what Matt LaFleur calls. Um, they're kind of two branches of the same tree, if you will. So it also should be a familiar offense for this defense to go up against which can be good and bad because that also can mean you know McVay knows what the defense like the tendencies could be on the flip side but yeah I think this is going to be a test for the secondary and especially a test for the safeties like Amos and Savage have been 
the most consistent, I'd say, unit of the entire defense this season. Um, but they haven't had that like real complete game yet, I think, where both of them are lights on. I feel like they each sort of switch off um, which game each is a star in. So I'd like to see both of them. And they're going to need it, too, against this, against this wide receiver core and against this passing game. They're going to need to step up. This holiday season, I'm giving thanks to my friends at Manscaped. Do I tell my extended family that I bought my man the Performance Package 4.0 from the Global Leaders in Below the Waist Grooming? I am in love with their products, and his confidence has shot up since he started using them for all of his grooming needs. Gift your man Manscaped this holiday season so his tree stands taller, if you know what I mean. Help him join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with 20% off and free shipping with the code PWSS20 by going to manscaped.com. Think your holiday spread is good? It's time to give thanks to the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0, or as I like to call it, the perfect package for his perfect package. Inside, you'll find their lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, weed whacker, ear and nose hair trimmer, crop preserver ball deodorant, crop reviver toner, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold all your goodies. Think of it as a cornucopia for his balls and body. Manscaped has been busy and just launched their refined body wash and two-in-one shampoo plus conditioner. Both feature the Manscaped signature scent and will help the man in your life unlock ultimate confidence this year. His body and boys will be oh so fresh and so clean when he starts off his self-care routine with the ultimate body wash, shampoo, and conditioner. Even the ladies will be in love with the new product line. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code PWSS20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code PWSS20 at manscaped.com. Get him the best gift of all from Manscaped. His balls will thank you. And remember, if you're shopping on Black Friday or Cyber Monday, you can get 25% off your entire order and free shipping from Manscaped. That's 25% off and free shipping on Black Friday and Cyber Monday with Manscaped. Yeah, and I mean, I think it's it's kind of tough. We've talked about this quite a bit. And, you know, it's it's more difficult with guys like Rashawn Gary out, obviously, and Zedarius Smith. But Kirk Cousins had a lot of time in the pocket. And Matt Stafford is one of those quarterbacks that will pick you apart if he yeah. has time. But if you get pressure on him, we've seen, you know, kind of consistently this season that he will give you opportunities to come down with the ball. He's got 24 touchdowns, but he also has eight interceptions. And in the team's last couple losses, he's thrown up a number of 50-50 balls, a couple pick sixes from like inside his own red zone or inside his own end zone, you know, that other teams have been able to capitalize on. So he he will make mistakes against good football teams. Yeah. And I think, you know, the same way we've talked about like run integrity and um, gap integrity for this defense. He's still got some wheels. You know, it was Taylor Heineke, I think, that put up 95 yards on the ground against the Packers defense. So I think Matt Stafford will kind of make the most of those opportunities if the Packers aren't playing gap sound. I agree with you 100%. I mean, Stafford is also a common opponent for this Packers team. And he's, this isn't the Matt Stafford Lions here where Matt Stafford's going to be amazing and the Lions can still lose the game like this is a Matt Stafford who's been put in a position to succeed I mean the best position he's ever had to succeed and everyone has heard Aaron Rodgers absolutely praise the arm talent that Matt Stafford has and I feel like you've been able to really see that on display this season while he's been with McVay and the Rams so yeah absolutely he can pick you apart um, but he can also sling it like we've seen some really crazy deep shots from Stafford when he was on the Lions. I mean, one of the 
one of, for some reason, one that sticks out the most to me was like the Lions started the game first drive flea flicker to Kenny Galladay, like deep shot. I don't know why that sticks out in my mind. It was a couple of seasons ago, but he's been able to get those off on the Packers. Now, I think the Packers defense this season, their best trait has been limiting the explosive play. Um, the Lions being a bit of a outlier because Justin Jefferson torched them a little bit on the big explosive play. But so far, I think the majority of the season, they've been able to limit those, but also they have to expect that Stafford's arm can do that to them. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's, it's kind of tough to gauge too, because we've seen the production from Cooper cup this season. Uh, I think one of my favorite, like random little tidbits that means nothing is just Cooper cup's dad saying that he's no longer allowed to draft his son in fantasy. It's as a courtesy because his son is now so good. Uh, that in his league, he doesn't just get him anymore. I know that's really cute. Um, But like OBJ now will have had the bye week and a week of practice with Stafford and that offense outside of just kind of coming in against the 49ers for a couple opportunities. So I think, you know, it's a developing offense, but the Rams kind of remind me a little bit. I don't know, I guess, which Packers offense to compare it to, but a Packers offense from previous seasons where they don't like to play from behind. If you can rattle the Rams and put up a couple points, like if this game opens up and it's like 14 to three Packers and they just start rolling, the Rams have a really hard time playing catch up. And that's when Matt Stafford is going to force the ball a lot. So, you know, when it happened against the Cardinals and a couple other teams this season, the Rams are never able to recover and get back into it. So I think that is kind of really telling too, where we're starting to see the offense click a little bit. Hopefully they can start faster than they did against Minnesota and put some of that pressure on the Rams. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I'm looking, and um, the flea flicker to Kenny Galladay was 66 yards in 2019. Um, That was bothering me. I had to figure it out. Uh, So it was a Matt LaFleur. It was a Matt LaFleur coach team as well as his first season. Um, Yeah, I... I guess let's, let's flip it because you mentioned earlier that we both kind of feel like the Packers offense really started to get rolling against the Vikings that it was maybe a series or two too late to end up winning the game, but really hope, right. That the momentum from that travels into this. And I have to imagine that it's going to um, barring any setbacks and injuries Um, and the Packers are going to be home and Aaron Rodgers and this team, I wonder what the stats are. I don't know if the dope sheet has it this, um, this week, but, the, the Packers are really hard to beat at home and especially in the cold and especially from a team coming all the way from LA and the travel. So they definitely have that advantage. Your AJ Dillon's your lead back again. Obviously you've got Devonte Adams. It's still a little bit unclear if Alan Lazard is coming back, but you're starting to see that relationship develop even deeper with Josiah Deguara at tight end. Um, you always of course have big dog in there. So the Packers offense got rolling, right? Cobb, you saw EQ, you got the deep shot to MVS. I mean, everything that we could ask for happened in this Vikings game. So is there anything like specific that you feel like LaFleur and Rodgers and this offense has to do to beat the Rams defense? Um, I do have some dope sheet numbers for you. The Packers are um, five of six and now heading into their bye. They've won five of their last six. And then they're also, I thought this was really cool. At least they are heading into their bye with a winning record for the eighth straight season. So because that worst, they could be eight and four. And some of them, you know, were really short, like four and oh, or three, two and one or four and three. But yeah, they've had a winning record um, going into their bye for the last eight seasons, which I thought was really cool. But 
to me, I I just think it's Devontae Adams. I think you need to get Devontae Adams rolling because even, you know, when Aaron Jones is on the field and it feels like Aaron Rodgers has his best days when Devontae's out there. And it almost felt like Devontae could have done enough, just the two of them, to beat up on the Vikings. And as I'm saying that, I'm also, you know, wanting to like kind of little put a little asterisk and say MVS too, because I think the two of them together are really kind of the keys to making the offense function the way that we saw it in 2020 and the way that we've kind of envisioned it happening this entire season. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you saw Devonta Adams kind of have Jalen Ramsey's number the last time those two matched up. And that was, of course, so fun if you're a Packers fan um, or just a football fan in general. Um, I agree. I think it, I think Devonte is, uh, about as reliable of a player as you could possibly ask for. And based off what him and Rodgers were able to do um, against the Vikings, I fully expect that to to be at some level. I mean, a, another 100-yard game is not even a surprise anymore from him. I think my biggest thing is this offensive line and how beat up they are, and especially just like the interior of the line, young and fairly inexperienced, and they're going up against you know, one of the best fronts in the league, right? The Rams have the fourth best, or sorry, the second best um, defense and the second best defensive front. So the Packers have been able to do a lot against really, really good fronts this season. Um, we They've won almost all of their games, but at the same time, you know, you had Elton, um, you had Josh Myers at the beginning of the season. So it's going to be a really, really big test to just be able to protect Rodgers and, be able to keep him upright. I, I also, I think I have my eye on the run game a little bit more than normal. Just being able to run against this Rams front, I think is going to, it's so necessary for the LaFleur offense to be able to run and they run, they work best um, in a more balanced way. I know they were a little off balance because they were playing from behind against the Vikings, but not being able to run the ball from the beginning of the game, I think is going to just really tilt the scales in favor of the Rams. Yeah. And I think the really hard part too is, you know, even looking at like earlier in the season when they had Nick Bosa and TJ Watt and they went up against a lot of really good edge rushers, you had Elton Jenkins at tackle, you know, so you, the, the pressure was coming from the perimeter. And I think, you know, Aaron Donald is one of the, he's, I mean, the best interior rusher, in the league. So you're, you're talking about Aaron Donald against John Marnie Jr., Lucas Patrick and Royce Newman. It's not like he's going up against Billy Turner or having Elton Jenkins, you know, at left tackle or David Bakhtiari. So we saw obviously in the divisional round that Elton Jenkins matched up against with him really well and kind of neutralized him. But yeah, we also saw the interior of the offensive line struggle mightily against the Vikings. And now you're losing Elton. It just, that the ball has to get out really quickly on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. And like no more of this, like first quarter, chuck it down the field thing, you know, like Rogers plays significantly, significantly statistically better when he gets the ball out under two and a half seconds. And when he's playing from the pocket in rhythm, and that has to be the game plan going in against the, this Rams team. It obviously works. The second half of that game against the Vikings was a perfect showcase of like, what Rodgers can do with working within Matt LaFleur's scheme. And it's beautiful and it works really well. And they scored, I think it was on four drives, right? They scored. So they can, they can push the ball down the field. They can score. Um, Now that I'm saying that actually out loud, I'm feeling like this, this could be a, a good game for the Packers offense 
because I think a lot of this season, right, it's been a lot of really long drives and a lot of like eight, nine, 10, 12 play drives. That should also be part of this plan, like control the clock, don't tire out this defense and don't give the ball back to Stafford and McVeigh. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, I, I want to see them continue doing the things that were working. You know, it's, it's really unfortunate that Aaron Jones got hurt when he did because he had a couple really nice screens against Seattle yeah. and the screen game hadn't been working for the entire season. So it's just, do you, you think know, that's you something they could do with Dylan? I do, but I also am kind of thinking that Dylan is going to be called into pass pro quite a bit. Mm-hmm. You know, we saw it a lot against the Vikings. I don't know if you ever watched what you might have missed um, from Packers.com, but their entire article this week was solely about A.J. Dillon and pass pro. Yeah. And just the way that he needed to chip and do everything he could against guys like Everson Griffin. So, I mean, I yeah, I think that – I think I just want to see them continue to do what they're good at. You know, we saw it with A.J. Dillon in the red zone against Seattle – after complaining about him not getting touches from inside the five yard line and, you know, just stick to what works. And I'm hoping that this is a Packers offense that starts a lot hotter and they figured out whatever they need to do to script the first 15 or 20 plays. Yeah, I agree with that. I I think it's not about the Packers being able to move the ball against the Rams. It's about how early they're able to do it. Um, And again, like they've been down, I think in almost every game this season and have come back to win, which is a really interesting switch, right? Because last season it was come out hot, um, but not be able to rebound after coming being down. And I think it makes for a much more like trustworthy team mm-hmm. where it doesn't matter if they're down seven Oh, or even 13 Oh, which we've seen you, you believe that they're able to come back, but against a team like the Rams who can p- almost always put up points against you in every drive that they have the ball, like you don't want to be down. You, you want to get out early. You want to get the ball first. You want to score first. Um, and so it's just a matter of how early the Packers are able to do it. If it's the middle of the second quarter, like the Vikings game, I, I don't know if they're going to be able to win. Yeah. And I think the last thing, the biggest thing is going to be playing mistake-free football yeah. because the Packers kind of shot themselves in the foot on Sunday with all of the penalties that were self-inflicted, like false starts or roughing the passer, things that you can easily avoid by just, you know, kind of tightening up things a little bit. It was what, like eight penalties for 92 yards against a really good team like the Rams. I mean, we saw it against a good Vikings team. If you fall behind and put yourself in second and long, third and long and stall out your own drives, you're making it harder for yourself. Yeah. So just mistake free football and capitalize on the floor turnover or the floor capitalize on the Stafford turnovers. Yeah. I mean, it's also, I think been like another anomaly of the Packers. They have played like fairly clean games. Um, And from what it sounded like, I mean, it was loud right in the dome in Minnesota. So that always impacts, especially a young line who has had to shuffle around and hasn't played a lot together. So I think being at Lambeau will also help hopefully with some of the mistakes that they made against the Vikings. But yeah, I could not agree more. And I think just one turnover, one turnover would change the course of any game. Um, Fingers have been slippery. Like they're, they're playing with some bricks, I think. Um, so come down with one and no, no more roughing the passer. None of that. Yeah. And I mean, Darnell Savage arguably should have had three and we've seen players get their hands on them. It was the Adrian Amos game, you know, against Seattle the week prior. So team is getting opportunities. They just, you know, have to capitalize on them. And I think that's what we've talked about earlier with Matt Stafford, where 
if he feels any type of pressure, he will give you a couple opportunities. And the difference against the Vikings was not finishing that opportunity. And, you know, you can't let that be the case again against a really good offense like the Rams. Absolutely. Um, any final thoughts on this game before we do some score predictions? Get through it and get healthy, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't look past this game. I'm sure they're not. They know what the stakes are, but just no more injuries, please. This game, please, please. Yeah, I'm with you. So what you got? Who wins and why? Um, I'm going to pick the Packers, and I'm going to pick the Packers in a close one. I think it's going to be 31-28. I feel very similarly. I was trying to decide if I wanted to pick 31-28 or 31-27. Uh, but yeah, I do think it's the Packers in a close one. And I don't know if that's, that's like me picking with my heart, but I just think that, you know, the Packers are still yet to lose two back-to-back in the regular season in the LaFleur era. Yeah. I think they know what this means. You know, LaFleur said, he was like, I don't have to get the team up for this. Like they know what's at stake. It's at home. They know about the tiebreakers. Like you don't have, you shouldn't need to like get amped for a game like this. And I think that it's going to kind of be the rallying type of game that they need knowing they get a week off to rest for the final stretch that sees four of their six games at home where they want to be. Yeah. And it's interesting too. I mean, this season that coming in with juice has not been a problem since week one. It has it's not, one. yeah, it has not been a problem. And I agree with LaFleur. I think the guys obviously know what's at stake, but when you're losing bodies left and right, you know, it's almost like what, it doesn't matter how much energy you bring. Um, but yeah, just get through the game. I mean, again, though, if the Packers lose this one, I will not be surprised. Um, it would be an interesting way to go into the bye week. I, I think it obviously makes the last stretch of the season that much more important. But I also feel like the Packers could totally win out the rest of the season after this game. So just show up and play a good football game. Yeah, um, Matt LaFleur is actually 11-0 and 0 after Thanksgiving in his two years with the Packers. Wow. So it's a fun, that's a fun stat. I don't know. There are a lot of fun stats with him these days. I mean, if they lose this one, it'll be, the, like you said, the first time they lose back-to-back games ever since he became head coach. Um, he obviously has the most winningest record so far in his first few seasons. So uh, put your trust in Matty. All right, let's look at the rest of the games um, because there's it's Thanksgiving week, which means we get three Thursday games, um, and they're not great. But <laughs> Bears, Lions, Raiders, Cowboys, and Bills, Saints all on Thanksgiving. I'm taking the Lions. They're winning their first game. I did Thanksgiving. Yes. Okay. Um, I'm gonna go Cowboys and Bills and Bills and a bounce back. Yeah, I'm I'm also with you on the Cowboys and Bills. I feel like I don't know, I just I love Thanksgiving so much. Like it's it's all of my favorite things. It's being with my family and watching football and eating food. And I just like I'm glad they added the third night game. I always loved, you know, like the nooner and well, the one o'clock game and then the evening game, but I like also now having a night game. I love so, that it's three games as well. Um football has always been like the centerpiece of Thanksgiving for my family. It's like part of the reason why I love 
football, like Packers Lions on Thanksgiving was like, that's my memory as a child, like with my grandpa and my dad. So then we get a full Sunday after a long weekend, um, plenty of games to talk about. First one is Steelers Bengals. I think it's the Bengals. Uh, Sunday is my dad's birthday. So dad, if you're listening, happy birthday. Um, I will be at your house to watch the Packer game, (laughs) but I'm taking Um, the Bengals. I'm going to take the Bengals as well. Um, Panthers, Dolphins. This is boring. Yeah, I'm taking the Panthers, though. Me too. Cam. Go Cam. Um, Eagles, Giants. I'm going to take the Eagles in this one. Man, the Giants offense just looks so bad. I think it has to be the Eagles. They did just fire Jason Garrett, but... And then they promoted Freddie Kitchens, who's worse. (laughs) Literally worse, I know. (laughs) Good luck. Um, Okay, what's... Probably oh, there's some good games in this early slot. Um, Titans Patriots. I'm taking the Titans, but I'm very intrigued by that game. Me too. Um, the Titans obviously dropped a little duty game to the Texans. Um, I think I'm going to take the Patriots. Are you? I'm curious. I'm. It, to me, it's like a, a measuring stick game for the Patriots. Yeah, I think they pull it out. Um, the Titans seem to be flailing a little bit. I agree, but I'm still taking them. <laughs> <laughs> um, Falcons, Jaguars. I mean, I guess the Falcons. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go Falcons also. Um, Bucks, Colts. This is a really fun one. I think I'm going to take the Colts. Okay. I, I'm still not convinced that Carson Wentz is it, but I like the Colts defense, and I think that they're feeling it. I want to take the Colts as well. I mostly want to take the Colts because I, the Bucks losing is better for the Packers, but I agree with you. I mean, after watching what Jonathan Taylor did last week, like how could you not go into this game fired up? Yeah. Um, Jonathan Taylor's a freak. A freak. He's amazing. Um, Jets, Texans. It's a barn burner. Um, I think I'm going to actually take the Texans. I think they're going to be riding high after the Titans game. I'm going to take the Titans. I was doing the same. um okay a game that i won't be able to watch because the packers will be on but my chargers are playing the broncos i'm taking the chargers uh yeah speaking of freaks justin herbert is a freak and i love what they're doing on offense right now me too vikings niners it's actually gonna be a really fun game like it is i think i'm gonna take the vikings i think they're getting hot which is kind of scary but I think that offense is kind of unstoppable right now. Hmm. I'm going to take the Niners um, because similarly, I think after the win against the Rams, they're kind of like feeling themselves. Um, obviously, they just beat up on a really bad team, but they're they're riding a win streak and they need the wins in their division. Yeah. All right. Then your Brownies take on the Ravens Sunday night football. So they're really weird because the Browns have a bye week when the Packers do, and they literally play the Ravens twice. They play the Ravens, then have a bye, and then play the Ravens again, which is super strange. That is weird. Um, but I think I'm going to take the Browns. <laughs> I am too. I think I am too. I'm not sure how much I believe in the Ravens this season. Um, I feel like they're starting to feel it like the Packers are, where they're just getting bit by the injury bug, and it's it's becoming a lot. Yep. All right, last one, Monday night. I don't even know if I'm going to watch this game. It sounds horrible. Seahawks, Washington. Man, I think I'm going to take Washington. I just have no faith in Seattle, and I kind of like that they're imploding. 
Me too. Um, going to take Washington home as well. I think Taylor Heineke has been really fun. Um, starting to really love Terry McLaurin. Just yes. Fun player. And yeah, I think that the Seahawks are about to go into like major rebuild mode and it's all falling apart. So that's, that's our, those are our game picks. Um, I'll probably tweet out a couple of bets that I make this weekend. I made a couple for Thanksgiving day. If anyone has any interest in that, um, thank you all for listening. We're super excited for this game. This has been circled on our calendars all season. And I think it's going to be, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if this ends up being like the most viewed game, um, of the weekend because it's just very exciting. It could be a preview of the NFC championship game for all we know. So, um, that's it for Maggie and I follow us on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein at Maggie J. Loney, follow the podcast at PWSS podcast. That's what she said on Twitter, on Twitch and Instagram. Um, you can find us Monday night doing the recap show of this game and, um, yeah, go pack up, go pack, go. Is back in town. The Green Bay Packers are world champions.